Hashtag Pistons Podcast, episode 47. I'm Joe, I'm your host. You can find me on Twitter, at Joe underscore truck. You can find me writing at Piston Powered, Palace of Pistons, my own site, truckthoughts.com, and of course, hashtag basketball. Joined today as normal by Kuka Hill. You can find him on Twitter, at Kuka Hill NBA. He is the site expert, editor, and now, for the moment at least, the sole editor of PistonPower.com. Uh, glad to be here. Obviously, there was no game today for us to talk about, so we're going to talk about, I mean, I don't even know. We're just going to talk about whatever happens to come up. Um, first thing we're going to hop on, though, was, uh, I don't even know who tweeted it, but someone tweeted something out about Brandon Jennings. And Eli. Yeah, Eli. That was, what's his last name? Bashy? Or I, that's Bash, probably not how you pronounce really? That's probably not how you pronounce it, but. Um, and the stretch that Brandon Jennings had before his injury, so the stretch of the post-Josh Smith cutting and before he tore his Achilles. And so I'm going to let Ku say some stuff about this because he really wanted to say some stuff. But before we do that, I'm just going to give you that stretch. So we've got a 15-game stretch, right, post-Josh Smith getting cut before he tore his Achilles. Over those 15 games, Brandon Jennings in 28 and a half minutes per game Scored 20 points, shot 44% from the field, 40% from three on six and a half attempts per game, 7.2 assists against just 1.9 turnovers per game, also 1.3 steals for good measure. That's absurd. <laughs> so, Ku, you wanted to say something about this, so go ahead and just say whatever you wanted to say about Brandon Jennings. Uh, yeah, I was telling Joe before this, uh, to me, that was the looking. I mean, I mean, obviously looking back on it, but even then, when it happened, I was not happy. Uh, I was very unhappy about it. And then we traded for Reggie Jackson. To me, that was the first crack in the armor. Now, Joe brought up the point. Joe told me earlier about how well we did get Reggie. We had a playoff berth, blah blah. Well, I feel like that was just like some duct tape over it. I feel like that honestly was like the very first crack in the armor. It wasn't a big crack. It wasn't like something like, oh, the franchise is going to hell now. It was one of those little tiny cracks that happened. You don't, you barely even notice it. And all of a sudden, three years later, now the crack's all the way through. The armor's damn near broken. Because Brandon Jennings was playing absolutely exceptional before before he went down. And he was finally looking like that point guard. I mean, if you remember, I'm sure Joe remembers this, in the off, that offseason – Stan Van Gundy was quoted multiple times in practice, and there was I read multiple articles by like Keith, what's his last name, Keith Langley. I read multiple articles by him throughout that summer talking about how Stan Van Gundy saying, if he's going to continue to get to the paint like that, if he's going to continue to play this well, we're going to be hard to stop. Because Brandon Jennings was just like putting that kind of impression all year, all off season, and then you know what happened with the uh, Josh Smith and and the, the smooth. His, his little impact out there. So that was kind of like screwed everything up. But as soon as Josh Smith left, it was like you saw everything that Sam McGinney was talking about with Jennings. And it's not like Brandon. I mean, obviously you saw some of it before he got hurt. It was just, it wasn't capable of coming all together. It was, it wasn't, it wasn't as, as good as it was when Josh Smith got released. In my opinion, if, Josh, if Brandon Jennings never gets hurt, uh, we're looking at this team completely different, I believe. I don't think that this is a – I don't think we're in this kind of position right now as we are now. 
I mean, Joe's talked about on previous podcasts that the goal is always to get a superstar or may not, maybe not a superstar, but just a franchise guy. Go get that guy at some point. And if you have that guy with Brandon Jennings and Andre Drummond, I mean, we don't know what could have happened. Maybe Brandon Jennings was involved in the trade. But let's say, let's say you get that guy with Brandon Jennings and Andre Drummond. You don't have the – you probably don't have the uh, the Blake Griffin – super max contract you don't have you don't have reggie jackson's uh contract after all the injuries to him it's just so many what ifs that could have happened if brandon jennings doesn't get hurt and it's one of it's one of those what ifs that i I always think about and i probably always will think about because not only did i like brandon jennings but it's just it was sad when it happened because the pistons were playing like extraordinary like they were playing extremely well i believe we went like on an eight game win streak after that after he, uh, Josh Smith got hurt, but I mean, not got hurt, uh, got cut. But, um, yeah, it's one of those what ifs I'll, I'll always think about and I'll always think what could have been. I mean, I think it's unfair to, in this light at least, to be like, oh, we wouldn't have Reggie Jackson's contract because, like, Reggie Jackson got hurt too, right? So I think that's a little bit unfair, but. The thing that's craziest to think about with Brandon Jennings is that um, that season, he was what? What, was he like 24, 25? Like, he was still young. And he he's, he still is young. Um, but, so he's not that old. And he was a guy who, all along, in his career up to that point, was a guy who... Yeah, so he was yeah, he was 24. Oh my gosh, he was 24. So, he's 24. He'd played on a bunch of really bad Milwaukee teams, or he was 25 at that point. So, he's 25, he'd played on a bunch of really bad Milwaukee teams. Um, he'd been on a miserable Pistons team. And then you get rid of the cancer that is Josh Smith. And he'd always been a guy that like the potential was obviously there, right? And and, you know, for all the jokes about him, the Milwaukee team made the playoffs I th- a couple of times, I think, with him on the team, and he was probably their best player. And But he'd been a guy that was like, the talent is obviously there. It's just a matter of whether or not he's going to put it together, you know, and become, a, become an effective player. And to really reach that potential... And finally, for that 15-game stretch, because normally you just go, okay, it's a 15-game stretch. Like, it's, you know, let's not overreact. And there is still some of that. Like, okay, it, it was a 15-game stretch. But, like, he'd had that kind of potential all along. And everybody knew it. And just the fact that he was playing out of his mind. And it's like, what if, what if it, that, that was his moment? And it was about to click. Because, like... And he was playing at a borderline MVP level. Like, that is not an exaggeration for that stretch. So it is crazy to think about that. Um, And the thing that really, really makes me go what if with him is how he was doing it. Because the thing that made him killer in that stretch, and for what it's worth before that even, is was his ability to just nail off-the-dribble three-pointers. And we have seen now today how devastating that can be and how much having a point guard who's good enough. There's like, there's only like really a handful of dudes in the league today 
who are able to be really good as pull-up three-point shooters, right, off the dribble. Obviously, Steph Curry, Damian Lillard, Kyrie Irving, um, Kyle Lowry. Is there, I, James Harden's not really a point guard, but we'll count him too. Um, there's really not... I might be missing somebody, but like, there's really no one else. Kemba. Oh yeah, he. We'll, we'll toss him. He's not as good a shooter as the rest of those guys, um, but we'll put him in there too. All right. Um, you know, there's not many dudes who could do that like Brandon Jennings was, and we've seen now today at this point just how impactful that can be for your offense when you have a ball handler who can pull up at any time. And defenses have to account for that. So that's the thing that really makes me think, oh, baby. And then the other thing with Brandon Jennings is that people oftentimes underestimated his passing ability just because he got this reputation as a as a ball hog. But and over his whole time in Detroit, he averaged 6.5 assists against 2.3 turnovers per game. Like, that's a really good assist-to-turnover ratio. Over that stretch of games before he got hurt, it was 7 against 1.9. That's an absurd assist-to-turnover ratio. That's an assist-to-turnover ratio over 3. That's like Chris Paul passing. And not that he's Chris Paul, but, you know, he was really playing at a high level, so that's definitely a what-if. I don't know exactly how things would be different. Um, That's far enough back that there's just, there's such a butterfly effect, right, that... You know, obviously, if he doesn't get hurt, they don't trade for Reggie Jackson. Um, but maybe they can use the package they traded for Reggie Jackson for someone else. Um, also, without Brandon Jennings, who knows if they can still manage to get Tobias Harris, et cetera, et cetera. There's all sorts of things, so it's kind of useless to delve too far into that. There's just too much butterfly effect there. But, man, it does make me sad that he got hurt because it was like he's just now starting to really get it. And now it's over. And like one of the like one of those things that he brought to a team that's like you can't see in the box score. That dude was like, no, nah, <laughs> he represented Detroit, dude. Like that dude was had some swag, had passion on the court. Like you loved watching him play with the Pistons. That dude, like that's something that that you don't see in a see in a box where you have to watch to understand. Like that, that dude brought all kinds of passion. And I'm just not sure, like, the Pistons have had, like, anybody since then that that has brought the same kind of energy and passion. And it's, like, kind of something that the Pistons are searching for right now. And I feel like something that they've been searching for. Like, they kind of have, I mean, it's not the same level in the same type of way. But I guess Bruce Brown is bringing, like, some kind of energy, like, some kind of energy factor to the starting lineup that helps them spark. Because, like Joe said last podcast, I'm still confused on how that's working, but. I guess he's bringing some kind of energy thing to the starting lineup, but that's not really like what Brandon Jennings was doing. And I just, I just don't think the Pistons have had someone since then. And I think that some, that's something that this team would really appreciate and would need because that kind of thing can spark a team's run. It can spark a, a random run. It can keep you in a game. It can keep you energized when you're down and try bring come back into a game. It, it does all kinds of things for you. And I guess you could kind of say Blake has because he's just like a star. I don't, it's not the fact that Brandon, like when he started getting crazy with his, and like throwing like Harlem 
full trials. Like everybody in the and everybody in that gym, coaches, players, everyone felt it, and it was just like sparked everybody. I feel like that's something the Pistons have missed, and that was like one of the best things about watching him play. Yeah, I mean, we've talked about Brandon James for a while, so I think we're gonna move on to something you just brought up, um, which I think since there's not a game to talk about. Um, so the Bruce Brown is a starter thing, um, which, you know, let's, yeah, let's, let's talk about that. Um, and so like you said, um, I'm not, I'm not totally sure why it is that Bruce Brown as a starter is working. Um, but first off is that the sample size is getting, significant um like they're at like 160 some minutes they're plus like 14 as a starting lineup or something like that um but you look at some of his numbers and they are better than they were earlier in the year so these are not all starts so we'll just we'll just include the starts we'll just include this this starts here so if we go back to there uh whoops wrong one Oh, he came off the bench for a few games there, too. So one, two, three, four, five, six, seven. So we got seven games. They started, right? The first one was against Washington, I believe, after they lost to Atlanta. That's what pushed them. So, <laughs> like, you look at the numbers, and his numbers are still ugly. He's shooting <laughs> he's shooting 32% from the field, 15% from three. He's scoring six points, 2.4 assists, almost four rebounds, uh, playing 27 minutes. I mean, I think I think probably the biggest thing that's a benefit for him is um, I think the biggest thing for him has to be that he just, and we've talked about this before, right? is that he moves quickly, he makes fast decisions. Um, this is also a real strength of Reggie Bullock, uh, but just the basic idea that he never hesitates. He's not a guy who, you know, and the, it basically, so I guess here's probably the best way to put it, right? Blake Griffin and Reggie Jackson are both guys who like to pound the ball, go slow with everything, and, you know, sort of take their time, right? And... That's been something we've talked about before is something that the Pistons could really stand to get some improvement out of both those guys. Reggie Jackson's been better with it most of the time this season, and also Blake Griffin's improved on that the past few games, I think. But especially when you've got a couple of guys who sort of have that at such an epidemic level as those two guys tend to, and also Andre Drummond can fall into that too, it really helps to have a dude on the floor who is able to not do that at all he just he's always moving fast he's never going to stop the ball um the moment he catches the ball he's pretty much either passing it shooting it or driving um occasionally he'll pull it out and ask for someone to come set a screen for him or something like that uh but you know he's always going fast and the one thing that can be said for him is that over this stretch um he is shooting a little bit better and he's shooting a little bit better from two. He's shooting now 45% from inside the arc. 
Uh, he's not shooting. He's shooting 52% at the rim, which isn't great, but it's not totally terrible. He's also getting to the rim pretty regularly. Um, almost 40% of his shots have come at the rim so far, which, you know, when it's a guy who's as, used as sparingly as Brown, that sh- you shouldn't read into that too much, but he's getting there a lot, and 52%'s not especially good mark for a guy finishing at the rim, but it's not totally terrible, uh, especially for a guard. So that's one thing he's got, and... The other thing that you should that really has to be highlighted is is, is his passing. His passing has been really effective. Um, he's shown some stuff with his passing that I'm still I'm not to the point where I'd be especially comfortable giving him real point guard minutes yet. Although if Jose Calderon continues to play and play the way he has, I'll warm up to Bruce Brown getting some minutes there. Um, although Ishmith should be back fairly soon. I guess um, they're actually apparently thinking about playing him this weekend. Although it sounds like he's probably not going to, but they're hoping that he comes back on this road trip. But regardless, um, and then obviously his defensive abilities are obvious. And one thing that has really helped him in this stretch. So I've always brought up that Bruce Brown fouls a ton, which he still fouls a lot, but he's managed to tone that down a little bit. Um, over this stretch as a starter, so the last seven games, he's fouled. Th- he's averaging just over three fouls per game, which obviously in like 30 minutes, that's a lot for a guard, but it's not like, remember earlier he was averaging like almost six fouls per 36 minutes, <laughs> which that's pretty un, un... You can't have a starter who fouls that much if you want to play them starter minutes at least. Uh, that's just, obviously, that's just, that's not going to work, especially for a guard. So... Yeah, he's been able to tone that down a bit, and that's made his defense a lot more effective. And um, he's still he's pretty much useless on offense, honestly. But he sort of gets out of the way enough by being a smart cutter, being a smart passer, and playing really hard that it's kind of worked so far. And I'm still not totally sure I buy into the idea that you can have an effective starting lineup with a guy who is that inefficient as a scorer uh, without them being like an absolute all-world defender, which he's not there yet. And even if they're that good, you know, like Andre Robertson, prime Tony Allen type of defender, even then it's hard to have a guy who's that bad on offense on the floor as a starter. But who knows? Maybe he just has that it factor enough. Um, Like you brought up with, when talking about Brandon Jennings, he brings a little bit of that sort of passion and energy to the floor, which, I mean, maybe that's really what it is. I mean, Lord knows there's certainly an extent to which, and this is something that I think a lot of us, um, you know, a lot of us blog boy types can overlook sometimes, is that there's definitely an infectious nature to guys who play balls out like that and are also really willing passers. Um like there absolutely is that. So maybe he just kind of has that it factor to, so that the other guys all just kind of play better with him. Um, so, and the other thing, and most importantly is that given that the Pistons have not had a successful starting lineup all season before this, um, they certainly can't afford to be worried about why it's working, right? Like there's some things where it's like, yeah, I wouldn't count on this continuing to work, but, 
Given the situation the Pistons are in with their record, uh, they really need to start winning some games, and they haven't been able to find a starting lineup combination before this has worked. They pretty much have to go, well, <laughs> I'm not sure if it's going to work long term, but we, we're going to ride with it until it doesn't, and that's where we're at. It's not great that that's where we're at, but it is. Um, Koo, what are your thoughts on why Bruce Brown is, start, is working as a, as a starter? Um, and before I t- do not include me in that little blog board thing that Joe said, cause I- I've been on here, you guys have listened to me on here multiple times, bring up the mental aspect and this and that confidence, all that kind of stuff. And Joe always tells me, Oh, cool. We you know I-, I really hate doing that kind of thing. Cool. Cool. I hate to break it to you. You are a blog boy. <laughs> I understand what I am, but don't include me in the in the people who don't uh, who don't uh, take into account energy, confidence, mental aspect of the game, all that stuff. I I all that. I've argued with Joe about it on this podcast as well. But include talking about Bruce Brown. Um, I gotta tell you, I'm just I'm I'm quite confused on how this is working. I, I got I gotta be quite honest with you. Um, I'm sure it has something to do with energy, and that he just seeing him hustle and stuff maybe energizes everybody else more. That far, that the fact that he can't shoot, and I mean, I gotta tell you this, and Joe, I'm sure Joe has seen this too, and I've tweeted about this multiple times for the past two days. It seems as if in the first quarter, Dwayne Casey says, okay, cool. we're going to go ahead and listen to what you said. Then it works, and then he says, okay, we're just going to go do it my way the rest of the way. Because the first quarter of the past two games, he's literally done exactly what I've said, and it's involved Bruce. And, and instead of just everyone standing around, Bruce has been doing a, 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 quite a few pick and rolls, and it's worked out. So maybe, and we've seen the little point guard, um, we've seen the little point guard future that he has or the skills that everyone thinks he has in the pick and roll. He's had a couple good passes. He's finishing. He's finished actually better than I thought in the pick and roll. That's, that's another crazy thing he's been doing. But I guess with Bruce and that, that all of a sudden makes Dwayne Casey want to run pick and rolls a little bit and have a little bit more motion to the offense. But maybe that, that's it because it, for 100% for sure, they run a better offense, a offense, in, in these first quarters recently with Bruce in the starting lineup. So that has to have something to do with it. the fact that we have some sort of offense all of a sudden when in the first quarter when Bruce plays. But as everyone sees, the offense just falls apart after that, so who knows. But the starting lineup, I think I have to attribute it more to just, I mean, it, it, Joe can say what he thinks about this. Maybe he disagrees, but I definitely see a different kind of offense in these past, the past two first quarters with more pick and roll, more movement, more Blake just being a part of the offense, picking his spots. Like I think that has more to do with it than just simply Bruce. Maybe maybe Dwayne Casey has something for when Bruce is in there, all of a sudden something clicks that says, oh, let's learn some pick and rolls or something. But maybe Joe sees something different. Joe, do you see something different with that? Uh, With all the pick and rolls and whatnot? No, just like the last two first quarters, this looked like they were running more of an offense. Um, I don't know about that too much. Uh, I would definitely say that there's an extent to which the offense gets more stagnated later in the game, but I think that that may be just a product of the way that the sport works, right? And one of the issues 
that you have when you have a Dwayne Casey offense. So, you know, so they don't run plays, they run concepts, right? And they don't have very many concepts. Like you said, they've only got a few things up the... They have a very limited playbook. And so with that considered, it would make sense that, you know, the first few times through, they may be able to work, but then once teams start to figure out, okay, this is what's coming, this is what we need to be ready for, they have no counters for them. So um, I don't know. I'd have to look closer and chart. I'd I'd have to chart it, honestly, because Synergy's gone and dead, So, um, which is really annoying because Synergy was really helpful for exactly these kind of things. But so I'd have to chart it, honestly, and I'm not <laughs> I'm not gonna bother to do that. But yeah, it would there it hasn't stood out in a big way to me. Uh, but it would make sense. You can go ahead and say whatever you're trying to say. Oh, I mean if, if, well Joseph said he has to chart, that's fine. But I'm just you just off of my eyes, I definitely see a I I it stuck it sticks out to me. I've seen Blake and Andre pick and roll in the first half. I've seen Blake move more. I've seen uh, pin downs to get Bruce up and then a pick and roll and off ball action where bullet comes from up from the corner to the wing. Maybe that's just basic offense that, that they're just like understanding, well, we're not doing anything. So let's go ahead and do this. And then that wears down throughout the game. So they get tired and they just don't care as much. I don't know, but definitely in the first quarter to me, you guys can, if anybody listening to this wants to treat at me and tell me what they think, I then let me know, but I definitely see a difference in well, I think that you actually did. I think you actually did hit on something there with the fatigue issue. Is I think that there are definitely some games um, with Blake. It's not quite as visible as it is with Andre, for instance. Like it's pretty easy to tell when Andre's tired. Um, he just like he doesn't really box people out. He just kind of pushes people and such. Right, like he was doing that at the end of that stretch against the Spurs. He was just pushing Jakob Portal. He was lucky he didn't get a foul called on him. But, yeah, I don't know how he didn't go, get foul called yeah. on him for that. I saw him do it like three times. Yeah, which honestly, I mean, I don't mind him getting a little bit feisty with dudes like that. Like, I got no issue with it, really. But um, And also, he played like 17 straight minutes, so it's understandable that he'd be tired. But, um, you know, I think that that definitely plays a part in it, is that I'm. we've talked about a bunch. Blake Griffin has an absurd offensive burden on him. So it would make sense that as the game goes on, he's a little less willing to go through with all the little things that make those that stuff work and is more like, ah, whatever, I'm just going to post up and just do my thing, I guess. Um, but, yeah, I'd have to, I don't know, it hasn't really stood out to me um, that the offense has been, the offense has definitely been better early in games. There's no doubting that. And the numbers back that up, obviously. But, I'm not sure that it really st- has stood out to me, at least, that they've been, schematic-wise, that it's been that much better. Um, but, yeah, I think that part of it is definitely fatigue. And then I also think part of it, even if they are running some better stuff earlier in games, I do think part of the issue is that um, just because of the fact that they just don't have a deep playbook, right? So then... It's a little bit like the idea of they talk about in baseball a whole bunch that when a pitcher gets to the third time through the order is the toughest time because now all these batters have seen you twice. They've seen your stuff and you're starting to get tired. 
I think that it may be a similar idea to that where, you know, the defense starts to get used to what you're running. They know what's coming. And on top of that, Blake Griffin is starting to get a little bit tired, so he's not as willing to, you know, set good screens off the ball or do the do the little things right to make the rest of that work and is more willing to just say, I'm just going to post up and just go score, I guess. Which, you know, that's not the worst thing in the world, but the playbook thing, I think, is a real thing, and that's obviously an issue, which we talked about Dwayne Casey's offensive schematics ad nauseum, so we don't need to... <laughs> we don't need to go into that further here. But, I mean, it does give some hope. So, ideally, supposedly Ishmith, they're hoping that Ishmith comes back um, during this coming road trip. There was some thought he might even play, which when, when this comes out, that he might even play tonight against the Lakers. Um, but they've ruled him out, also ruled out Zaza Pachulia. Um, but there was at least some thought that he might be able to play, which is encouraging. Um, so the, I, we mentioned this on the last podcast, but the hope has to be with this team that, um, whatever it is that is driving this starting lineup working sticks and they have a starting lineup that's going to work long-term now. And then Ishmith comes back and he stabilizes the bench so that the bench stops being utterly terrible. And if that happens, you can maybe start to win some games. Um, obviously a West coast trip is never is never easy, but uh, it's not the toughest. I mean, they're playing against the Lakers without LeBron. They play the Kings a couple of times in the next few weeks. The Kings aren't terrible, but they're not great. They're playing the Jazz. The Jazz are pretty good, but they're not great. You know, it's not like they're going over there and they're playing the Warriors twice and and the Clippers on a back-to-back again or the Lakers with LeBron and then going up to Portland or something like that, right? Um, so... Hypothetically, so once again, I'm I brought this up on the last podcast, but hypothetically, they could turn things around yet, but it is kind of at the point where they kind of have to do that. Um, so I think, uh, you know, unless you've got something else specific you want to cover, I think a thing that we could kind of wrap this up with, we could for the first time ever, we can actually have a podcast that doesn't go way over time, unless you've got something else you want to say. But I think one thing we could kind of wrap it up with would be. If you could make, what's one move hypothetically that you really like, you know, a specific move that you would really like to see the Pistons try and make? Um, You can make it be a sort of super grandiose move if you want it to be, but try and keep it at least somewhat grounded in reality. And don't worry about running through the trade machine. We'll just kind of guesstimate it. But yeah, what's one move that you like, if I could have the Pistons do this one, do one thing. That's going to fix. That's going to have the best chance of making this team get fixed. What would it be? Hmm. That's a that's a good question. I, I know Joe tells you guys that we come into here, we don't have like these elaborate sheets telling us what we're going to do all the time. But usually, I have a little a good idea of what these topics are. Gonna yeah, be. I just Joe dropped that out of nowhere. I don't know what I'm going to say either. This was a screwball thrown at me. Uh, I don't know. I think. Um, I mean, just like off the bat, there is like one move that I've said multiple times. I wrote an article about it. Um, I guess I still, I don't know. I have some, I mean, Joe's going to make fun of me about this, but I, I have, I don't know. I have something for Marco Fultz. Uh, I, I guess I have something, I have something with players like that, that apparently people have just been given up on and have potential, uh, look at Stanley Johnson, but, uh, 
I just have a thing for uh, Marco Foles. I think Marco Foles, uh, I think he raises the piston ceiling. So, like, moving forward, he probably lowers the floor uh, this season. But I think he uh, raises our ceiling moving forward. And I've been consistent throughout the year and before the season that if the Pistons were going to make a trade, they need to sign somebody or any kind of acquisition. They need to target players who are young, who have incredible, that have been given up on. You need to hope that one of these guys goes through. And and I said earlier to Joe, uh, Joe may not have seen, I said into our, one of our groups, I think the Pistons uh, are going to have to make a trade that involves very high risk, but also a very high reward. I, it, I think it's going to take one of those trades to help us. I don't see, there's not going to be a trade out there that's just safe Pistons. Oh, and then here's your high reward too. It's not going to happen because of our contract situation, our cap, no assets. I think the Pistons are going to have to make a trade that is one of those, this could very well blow up in their face and ruin everything, but it could also very well save everything and raise our ceiling exponentially higher. Now, I don't think Marco Fultz is that big of a risk, but on the spot, I think I would like the Pistons to uh, like the Pistons to go after Marco Fultz. Okay, so then here's here's how we'll add on to that. Okay, now we're not punching all these into the trade machine or whatever, but so mm-hmm. all right, so Markel Fultz is the dude you want them to go after. What would be the limit that you would offer, like the absolute most? What would be the breaking point? I mean. Okay, so now now I have to think about it. All right, so let's let's go th- let's go through like obviously who's going to be capable of being traded. We're not going to trade Blake Andre. This is purely hypothetical. You can trade whoever you want for what it's worth. And if you it, like, if you say some stupid trade, like you're like, well, I'm going to trade Andre Drummond for on Anthony <laughs> Davis. Like, okay, no, that's not going to happen. But I, you're allowed to. In this is purely hypothetical, you're allowed to trade anyone you want as long as it makes like. As long as, like, a fan of that team, if they got it, the very least, if you could maybe convince a really drunk fan to go along with that, that'll be our bar. But what's the most that you would give up for Markel Fultz? Hmm, I'd have to say... I'd give up Ishmith. I... You're definitely giving up Reggie Bullock and probably yeah, Ishmith. That's say, the baseline. Reggie, yeah, Reggie Bullock is going to have to be involved, which is why the floor will probably be hot, lower this year. But you said the most I'd give up? Yeah. Or just as very... Yep, what's uh, the most you would okay. give up? How much? Bullock how badly is, do you want them to get Markel Fultz? That's basically what I, I'm asking. I very much do want them Yeah, but how much Markel are you... Fultz. Put your money where your mouth is. How much would you be willing to give up for Markel Fultz? Jesus. Uh, because there's other teams that are going to be interested in Markel Fultz. There's so, going to be a bidding war if they actually trade him. Bullock, Fultz... I'm not Fultz. Bullock-ish. A first-round pick of some... I probably would... If I'm the Pistons, I'm going to try to make it protected. Protected at what? I'd probably want it. The Pistons would probably want it loudly protected, but I'd, I'd, if push came to shove and it's Kuka Hill the GM. Now, mind you, I'm not a good GM, everybody out there, but if it's Kuka Hill the GM, I'd probably I'd want it at least like top five protected. If push came to shove, if, like they wouldn't take lottery protection, top ten protected, I'd stop at like top, top seven, top five. I'd stop there. And if they didn't take something like that, I'd just leave. 
Okay, so you are willing to give up two of the Pistons' most important role players and a first-round pick for Markel Fultz. That's basically where you're at. Yes, but he's not the only point guard I do that for. There's other point guards, too. Okay, okay. Um, And I suppose I have to answer this, too. See, this is a problem with pulling things out of nowhere. I don't know. I didn't think about it at all, either, so I don't have any pre-planned answer. Um, You know, there's a few trade ideas that I think are intriguing. Um, One thing that I've thought about, I threw in a version of this to you in the group chat earlier today, but there's another kind of change on it would be if the Magic keep losing, I wonder if they'd be interested in taking a flyer on Stanley Johnson for Terrence Ross because Terrence Ross is a really good shooter. He's not a great defender. He's not totally terrible. I Not a great defender. That's an exaggeration. He's a very meh defensive player. Not a high cube player on either side of the ball, but he's a good shooter. He's a good scorer. Um, so I'd be interested in something like that, although I don't know if the Magic like him enough. And also I think the Magic kind of think they can still make the playoffs this year and want to do that. But if I could have them go after one guy, who would it be? I should have thought about this before I brought it up because now I don't know what to say. Uh, you know there's at least there, you, know, okay. you know there's one person that you think of who? <laughs> I don't know who it is. I okay. just know that if you think about you know, it, I'm going to be, I'm going, I'm going to be daring here. All right. Okay. We're going to go big fish hunting. This is purely hypothetical world. Okay. Oh, if we're going to go big fish hunting, I want another chance. I said, who's the one guy you would trade for? And you okay, said Markel Fultz. I, I want to go again after you then. I want to do okay, you. Okay. Okay. I'm going to go. All right. We'll keep it. I'll keep one more grounded in reality. And then we'll both go big, big fish hunting, like okay, pure pipe okay. dream. Okay. My more reality grounded one. Um, I'm going to say. I'm going to say Courtney Lee. That's that'll be my answer. Um He's under contract this year. It is kind of boring, but here's the thing, okay? The Knicks want to clear out cap space. So they they want to trade Courtney Lee. He fits a role for the Pistons. He can shoot. He plays defense. He's on the wing. And the thing that actually makes him a little extra intriguing for the Pistons is he's under contract for next season. So if you trade for Courtney Lee, it's like, let's just say, all right, they're willing. They want to get. They're they're mostly worried about cap space, right? So they're willing to just take a flyer on Stanley Johnson for Courtney Lee. There perhaps be some sort of other stuff in there to make salaries match. I would guess. But all right. So let's just say that hypothetically. Okay. I'm not sure if they would do that. They might be able to get more for Courtney Lee. In fact, they probably would be able to get more for Courtney Lee. So there'd probably be something else involved there. But hypothetically, okay. Um, if you did that today, and then they kept losing heading up to the trade deadline. Then you can flip Reggie Bullock for assets, and you still have like at least one for sure starting caliber wing on your roster heading into next year, which would be nice. So that's more more that's my more grounded one. Um, and I suppose I should also answer the second thing. What would be the most I'd be willing to give up for Courtney Lee? I give up Stanley Johnson. Um, I think we're both kind of agreed that we like Stanley Johnson, but it may be it may be time for him to go somewhere else and try his luck. Um, so I'd be willing to give up Stanley Johnson. I'd be willing to give up Henry Ellenson. Um, I'd give up. I'd 
I give up Kyrie Thomas. That'll be my big thing there. Whoa, 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 you're giving whoa. up a you're giving up a top seven protected first round pick for Markel Folds. For for a former first round pick, we're talking about Courtney Lee. I mean, Kyrie Thomas is. How good do you think Kyrie Thomas is going to be? You think Kyrie Thomas I mean, is going to be good, young, better than? He's a young player. With do you think he's going to be better than Courtney Lee? He, uh, who knows? And once he's again, good. Courtney Lee's under contract next season, so it's not like this is a half year rental. You've got a guy who's going to be your starter next year, which is a big worry heading into next season. I don't know, man. I don't know if I give up Kyrie Thomas. I'm gonna, I'm gonna say that. That's gonna be my daring thing. I don't know for sure how I'd feel about it, but that's what I'm gonna say. Okay. And that would be my line. I'd be willing to give up Kyrie Thomas in that deal. So it'd probably be Stanley Johnson, and then depending on if the Knicks thought anything of Henry Ellenson. I mean, because there are some executives in the league who think Henry Ellenson is still worth something. Um. Not now. When I say something, I mean not a lot. But there are some teams that. Uh, have been watching him pretty closely and are interested in him. So, you know, if the Knicks were one of those teams, maybe you could do it for him and Stanley and they take flyers on them. If they don't work out, then they cleared out the cap space. If they do work out, then you can keep them long-term as young guys. Um, and then, yeah, but I'd, I'd give can up. Can I Kyrie say something Thomas. about that? Sure. I, I, I see a potential issue with that scenario. What? It's not who you're giving up. The Knicks are supposed to be in the market this summer for like a star free agent. Like they're supposed to be in the. I don't think that they're going to be in a position to just take flyers on young players that may be that just may be bad. But they are okay. Here's the reason it works. Okay. Okay. So if they now this isn't necessarily even just with the Pistons. Okay, why trade like that would make sense for them? Because on one hand. If they go big fish hunting this offseason, right? So, and let's just say, right? So they're they've got paid Chris Epps, Porzingis this offseason. Then they also sign Kevin Durant. Okay, let's just say that happens. Um, and so they sign Kevin Durant. They got him. So they've got Chris Epps making like I don't know exactly what his max deal will be, or and maybe if all, with all his injuries, maybe he won't even get a max deal. That'd be crazy. I'm guessing he's gonna get one because if they don't give it to him, someone will. I would guess. So he'll be making, like, what, 25, 26, 27, something like that. Um, what? Kevin Durant's max has got to be, like, 35 or 36 starting at that, right? So we broke some of these numbers down earlier in the group chat because we were talking about it. But um, So it will be helpful to clear out Courtney Lee's cap space. So if they manage to do that, and then they've got other guys that's like, okay, we've got some guys who we can sign here because we're the Knicks and we've got Kevin Durant and whatnot. Then you can just let Stanley Johnson and Henry Ellenson walk and you just cleared out cap space. If those guys don't show up, though, then the Knicks are still going to be losing and it's helpful to have bird rights and restricted free agent and whatnot of those guys. And then on top of even that, even if they sign Kevin Durant this offseason or whoever, you know, whatever big-name free agent, um, if Stanley Johnson's not that expensive, you know, I mean, maybe Stanley Johnson is just a rotation player now on this team that's trying to win games, much like he could well end up being that on the Pistons next year for all of our woe is me about how bad we feel about Stanley Johnson. Um, there's a decent chance that he ends up sticking around long term and he, you know, he 
not in a major role. He plays 18 minutes off the bench as a defensive specialist, and that's what he is. So I think that sort of a move would make sense for them. Um, the biggest worry here is that I wouldn't be shocked if someone would outbid that. Um, but yeah, so okay, so there's our more grounded, somewhat yeah. thing. Okay, we're going big, big game hunting now, Koo. Yep, go, go big game, game hunting. hunting. Once again, don't go too crazy. Like you gotta do something that's somewhat grounded in reality. All right. So who are you hunting? No, I want to hear yours first. Okay. Here's what we're. Here we go. All right. You ready for this? Yeah. So the Pelicans wave the white flag on Anthony Davis and trade him to the Lakers. No, no, stop. What? This is a real thing. This is a real thing. Anthony Davis? No. So Anthony Davis is traded to the Lakers, okay? Which is a real thing that people are talking about, okay? They wave the white flag, even if it's not to the Lakers. Maybe they don't trade him to the Lakers just as an FU, right? But they wave the white flag. They keep losing games. It's a trading deadline. They're well out of the playoffs. They're like, look, it's done. He's told us he's not coming back. He's over with us. We're going to trade him for whatever we can get for him, okay? So they do that. You know who's going to be on the market? Who? Drew Holiday is probably going to be on the market. You know who's... they, They don't have Anthony Davis anymore. They're tanking. They're rebuilding. You know what team has constantly been rumored to really, really like... Stanley Johnson, the Pelicans. So what if you give up a first-round pick, Stanley Johnson, Luke Kennard, and then you probably have to give up some salary filler. Maybe you let, maybe you give Reggie Jackson in this and they deal with him for a year um, as salary filler and whatnot. But you're giving up a first-round pick. You're giving up Stanley Johnson, Luke Kennard, um, I'd even think about parting with Bruce Brown here, but you probably want to keep him um, if you're giving up Kennard because you kind of need another wing player. But I'm going after Drew Holiday. That's my that's my big game hunting. So they, they wave the white flag on Anthony Davis, trade him to the Lakers or wherever, decide to blow it up. I'm going hunting for Drew Holiday. <laughs> I'm finishing this year and then going into the future with – an overpaid but also super good and super fun big three of Drew Holiday, Blake Griffin, and Andre Drummond. And guess what? Even Dwayne Casey like can't that? blow that. Do you think do you think the Pelicans would like that? Um, I mean, a big part of this admittedly is like there's been all kinds of reports. Like since the Pistons have drafted Stanley Johnson, there's been reports that the Pelicans have tried to get him. Also, somewhat ironically, the Pelicans are one of the few teams that has shown interest in Reggie Jackson, even when Reggie Jackson's been hurt. So, um, but, I mean, look, if Drew Holiday becomes available, there's going to be people going after him, but his contract is huge. He's paid probably more than he's worth. He's kind of in that Andre Drummond scenario where teams would be interested in him, but because of his contract, it's probably a little bit bigger than it should be. So, and then also he's got some injury worries that Andre Drummond doesn't have. But, so, you know, teams will be interested, but it wouldn't necessarily be an all-out bidding war, right? So, like, if the Wizards actually put Bradley Beal on the market, the Pistons have no chance at that. Like, I hate to break it to everybody. Like, they just don't. 
every single team in the yeah, NBA. I haven't changed my big fish. Let me, let me change it now. No. Oh, was that who you were going to say? Yeah, let me go ahead and just mark it off the list. I'll find else. You can use him if you want. No, no, I'll find someone else. No, I'll find okay. someone else. But, like, if he's actually on the market, every single team other than, like, the Warriors are going to be desperately trying to get Bradley Beal. The Pistons will get outbid. If Drew Holiday becomes available, there's probably not going to be that same kind of bidding war just because he's probably not quite worth his contract. He's got some injury issues. So the Pistons may be able to swindle something there. Now, on top of that, remember, the Pelicans GM, Del Demps, is really stupid. He's been really bad. (laughs) So we're relying on a few things here. We're relying on a unique situation. Um, the most I would give up for him, though, I'd give up Stanley Johnson, Luke Kennard, first-round pick. Um, Reggie Jackson's probably going there as salary filler. Uh, and then, yeah, screw it. I'm also putting in Bruce Brown here. I'm willing to give up the sort of the three young assets the Pistons have and a first-round pick for him. I'd be... <laughs> I'd do it hesitantly, but I don't know, man. I think that a big three of those guys, I think even Dwayne Casey wouldn't mess that up. I'd be terrified of them getting injured, Blake Griffin and Drew Holland. <laughs> I'm liking this idea less and less the more I talk about it. <laughs> no, no, I'm sticking with it though. That's my that's my big game hunter. Who are you who are you going hunting for, Koo? Alright, so Joe has Joe has forced me now since he since he pretty much threw my Beal idea in the garbage can. I've, I was forced to go through and just look at some teams while he was talking. And there's one that popped up. Now, I don't, I, this is so, this might be borderline of the little bar Joe put of the, even a drunk person would do it. Because I'm not even sure that we'd even, we'd be capable of finding the salary to match with this. But... This matches what he was just talking about. Because let me just give you guys my thought process, just real quick, just real quick. It's gonna be fast. I was gonna name someone young that that like D'Angelo Russell that I like, but even though Joe doesn't like D'Angelo Russell, uh, teams around the league will probably like D'Angelo Russell if he's thrown on the block. So the Pistons might get outbid with that. So then after he said that part, Joe said that part, and has the little explanation. D'Angelo Russell is not totally unrealistic. Like, okay, Bradley Beal is so good no. that every team would be going for him. No, Literally. No, yes, I understand. I'm just saying that the Pistons Pike would or possibly get outbid for Bradley Beal. So then I was like, okay, since Joe said that, let me go ahead and up the big fish to damn near the Megalodon. Let me go ahead and just upgrade it to just a, a shark at this point. Let me just get big with it. So now I start searching for people who are on big contracts who are good? Who are really good players, but are just on too big of a contract, and could have some risk with them. There is only one person I see right here that I think not not only fits a position of need for the Pistons, who's on an extraordinary contract, but is still a very good player. Joe, do you think you could guess who this is? I might be able to. Who is it, Cool? Joe, no, I want to see your guess. First. I don't know. I'm. I don't know. He plays in the Western Conference. Who? Mike Conley. Oh no! <laughs> <laughs> so, 
So let me see. You want to trade for Mike? No, I don't even know if it's even possible. (laughs) If it would even have been possible. He's making like as much as Blake Griffin is. Wait, what? Yeah. Yeah. Now, I just want to put this out there. I was going to say someone like D'Angelo Russell or Kemba Walker, but Joe took those ideas and threw it in the garbage. Okay, can. you could say D'Angelo Russell. You could say Kemba Walker, okay? No, There's enough then things then around them. Okay, D'Angelo Russell, if he's on the trading block, a lot of teams would be interested. But yeah. he's not so good that literally every team is like, we're going to try our best to get this guy. All right, Kim Walker is really good, but he's an unrestricted free agent at the end of the season. So, yeah. as a result of that, not every and also a lot of the really good teams already have point guards that they like. Like, not every single team in the NBA is going to be going after him. You know, like if Kim Walker is available, okay, the Houston Rockets, the Boston Celtics, um, the Portland Trailblazers. Uh, you know, et cetera, et cetera. They're not going to try and get Kemba Walker. If Bradley Beal becomes available, all of those guys are trying to get Bradley Beal. All right? Every single team in the in the NBA, okay. other than the Warriors, is trying to get Bradley Beal. That's why it's like, okay. look at And they're going to try okay, hard. So fair if you want to say Kemba Walker, like, it's a stretch. No, I just came up I with I think they else. get, okay. Mike <laughs> no, Conley. I was looking... I was looking at Mike Conley's contract. I, I didn't look at it before. Once. I was just looking for the player. Cool. How much then does he make in his last year? What did you say? The last year of that contract. How much does he make? Oh, please. please. I, How much, Koo? How much? I don't want to say. No, say it, Koo. I'm good. No, Koo, say it. I, I had to close all my tabs so that you came through clear on your connection. No, you got to tell me how much this is. <laughs> Thirty-four million. <laughs> How old will he be at that point? Thirty-two. Oh no! <laughs> that dude has even more injury problems than Blake Griffin does too. <laughs> yeah. All right. So, so now that I look at the content Rodrigo was talking about, now that's 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 too much of a, that's too much of a risk. That's too far of a risk for me to even for me to think for the Pistons to even consider. But I got another person. And Joe Joe's commented on this person before. He also plays in the Western Conference, Joe. Derrick Rose player. Who? What did you say? You say Derrick Rose? Yeah, before you said wing player, but yeah. No, he's a wing player, and uh, a lot of people have given up on him. Andrew Wiggins. Yep. What are you giving up for Andrew Wiggins? What's the most you'd give up? Stanley Johnson, Reggie Bullock. I'm not sure how much after that. <laughs> well, you're gonna have to do more than that to match some I know, salaries, man. I just man. don't know what else. Um, um I, 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 probably a pick. I mean, that's honestly the sheer salary implications. There are the toughest thing to make that work. Um. You know, probably, you probably had to throw John Luer in. Yeah, just as filler. Um, and now, there's a couple things here, okay? Actually, because that is an option that does actually intrigue me a bit. 
So thing number one to remember is that the Timberwolves are stupid. They're terrible. Well, they, they don't really even have yeah, yeah maybe not. But until they hire a new GM, I'm going to assume they're still stupid. So maybe they'd do a stupid trade. Like maybe they'd just be like, oh, yeah, we can use John Lohr. Yeah, that'll be great. We'll play him next. We'll start him. You know, we'll start him next to Carl Anthony Towns or something. I don't know. Here's the thing that's intriguing to me about Wiggins is that, um, like you said, he's the kind of guy that I wouldn't mind this team taking a shot on because the hypothetical Andrew Wiggins would be a really good fit with this roster, right? The hypothetical Wiggins who is a pretty good outside shooter, is a good defender, and can also create for himself, right? That's a good fit for this team. He's he he's still paid too much. He's almost certainly paid too much, no matter what. Yep, he paid too much. But there's a couple things that would make me worried about this. Okay, beyond just the salary, which is obviously an issue, um, is that first off, like he hasn't just plateaued this year. Like he's been really quite bad this season. Like, there's no way around that. Like, last season, and in particular, like, his second season, okay, if you think back to then, a lot of people were like, you know, there's some pretty disturbing trends about his game. He doesn't really pass. He's not defending that well. It's like, you know, he's still scoring, like, 23, 24 points per game. I don't remember exactly what it is. It was, but it's like, you know, he's scoring, like, 23, 24 points per game pretty efficiently, and he's having to create almost all of his own offense. And, like, Playing next to Carl Anthony Towns makes everyone better just because he gives so much spacing. Um, but you know, it's like, you know, for all these knocks on him, like he's he's pretty good already, right? He's been pretty bad this season. And that would worry me. Like if he was still the exact same player, all right, that he was in his second season, for instance, and it's like and people are like, yeah, he's not really putting it together. Still not a really, really a very good defender. Still doesn't really pass. Still can disappear for parts of games, etc. Then I'd be a little bit like, yeah, you know, not great. I don't love it, but this may be the kind of risk that this Pistons team has to make if they want to become a, you know, any sort of a real contender. Then there's a second thing that would worry me about this. If you trade for Andrew Wiggins... Reggie Jackson is your starting point guard. You do, you you have no money to pay a new starting point guard this offseason, even if you dump Reggie Jackson. And when Reggie Jackson's contract is over, you now have like a veteran minimum or something like that starting at point guard for you. <laughs> and <laughs> I'm not sure that this is a world that I want to live in, <laughs> if I'm being honest. So Wiggins... I guess here's the best way to put it, okay? In a vacuum, Wiggins is a guy that w- intrigues me. And if I was, even just as the Pistons, in a vacuum, his fit on the court and some other things, I don't mind the idea of him. But his contract combined with the Pistons already being in salary cap hell makes it tough. And the fact that this season, it is not, an over an overstatement to say that he's just not been good, and like you know, it's sort of basically the idea of um, you know a similar thing with what I said about Drew Holiday, or honestly, even with your Mike Conley thing. Okay, 
is that the Pistons may be in a situation where they're going to be in cap hell anyways. So we can swallow um, the idea of we're going to overpay this guy, but he's a really good player. He's going to make this team better. You can't pay that much money to a guy who's like, he may not even be good. You know, <laughs> like, you can't have that. So I'd be worried about it. Um, there's one other trade idea that I want to toss out there, right? Just as a hypothetical. I wouldn't love this, but something that I've thought about. And I actually wouldn't be surprised if this could get a little traction. So the Boston Celtics have been a little disappointing this year, right? No, no. Okay, what? What do you think I'm going to say? Are you saying Jalen Brown? No, no, not Jalen Brown. No way. Okay. So the Boston Celtics have been a little disappointing this season. What if the Celtics are starting to think, you know, Al Horford's a lot older than the rest of our core. He's having some injury issues. He's paid a little bit more than we'd like. And you know what? We've consistently had a big issue with interior presence. And they start to look at Andre Drummond, and they go, you know, Andre Drummond's younger, more closer to the age of the rest of our core. He's super durable. And he would definitively eliminate their issues with size and athleticism on the inside. And I actually ran this through the trade machine earlier today, actually, just because I was curious. You could do a straight swap of Andre Drummond for Al Horford. I wouldn't love that, but, like, Al Horford would be a pretty good fit next to Blake Griffin, wouldn't he? No, Joe. I mean, he would. No. He can shoot. He can pass. No. Does all the little things right on defense. No, we're not trading our high IQ defender. I just, I'm, okay, here's really what we're at, okay? Look, no, 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 no. You stop a sec. No, you stop here a sec, okay? You stop a second here, okay? I am the biggest Andre Drummond stand that is in existence, okay? But here's the thing, right? We know that there are a lot of people who listen to this show and a lot of people who follow the Pistons who think that the Pistons should trade Andre Drummond. I don't know if this front office thinks that they should trade Andre Drummond or not. They may be thinking, we need to trade Andre Drummond. If you're trading Andre Drummond, right, that's basically what I'm saying. If the front office is like, no, Andre Drummond and Blake Griffin are not going to work long term, despite the fact that there are plenty of numbers that suggest that they can, we're going to trade Andre Drummond. I wouldn't hate getting back Al Horford in return. That's all I'm saying. He'd be a good fit. He's from Detroit, or Dearborn, I think, actually, technically, but he's from the area. I'm tweeting this, Joe. Okay, go ahead. All I'm going to say is this. Joe just laughed me off this this podcast by me saying Michael Conley. Okay, Al Horford makes player. like $28 million in his last year. No, he gets 30 next year. Yeah, like... And... and Trading for Al Horford involves giving up Andre Drummond, who Joe routinely acts like he is just the number one the guy for, and he's ta- sitting here talking to me about well, trading him for Al Horford. Andre Drummond is. He is the number one guy. Okay, He's so, as good as they get. Okay, okay, this is just, if they decide, right, I've argued against this. I will continue to argue against this. If they decide Blake Griffin and Andre Drummond don't work together, and Tom Gores won't let us trade Blake Griffin. 
we have to trade Andre Drummond. I wouldn't hate this. I wouldn't hate that as an idea. Nope. If you've ar- if they've already surrendered themselves to it. And what else would you? What would you rather get back? Right? Hypothetical, right? The front office has decided. The front office has decided. Yeah, but he'll also be on the last year of his contract next year, won't he? So we, okay, but then by the end of the next year, at the end of next year, after his contract expires, let's just assume that we get someone to want to play for Detroit. And when I say someone, not even a star, just a, why not a keep star Al Horford? Player. What? Why not keep Al Horford? He'll be thirty-four. I mean, I'm not saying pay him thirty million a year anymore, but no, he can go. No, at his game, old, his game, his game should keep aging just fine. He's not going to be that good at thirty-four. Yeah, well, yeah. I mean, there's no players that are good at 34, honestly. Yeah, so they're all bad. Bring him back. They're they're all bad by that point. There's so not Griffin will be what 32. There's never been an instance of a player being still good at 34, especially not a player. Al Horford. Why not? Al Horford's got as good a shot as anybody. His game should age fine. Joe, how about this? I'm going to record this podcast onto my phone. I'm going to keep it around so when he is 34 and Al Horford isn't that good anymore. I'll play it. Al Horford will still be good when he's 34. So you're advocating for the Pistons to then pay Al Horford once he gets off his contract at 33. I'm not saying pay him big money. Like, I don't want to pay him 30 million, but like, I don't think anyone's going to try and pay him like 30 million. What are you talking about? I don't know how much he'd be worth. It'd depend on where he's at. But like, I'm just saying, why can't you keep Al Horford? Right, so for this argument, we're just not bringing back Al Horford because he's not going to be good. So we're just not going to bring him back. Okay, here we go, Koo. All right. The front office has decided they're trading Andre Drummond. What would yep. you trade him for? Someone that's not Al Horford. Like who? Give us some specifics here. You don't get to make fun of me nope. and not Someone, give up some specifics. I don't. First of all, Joe, you threw a screwball at me off the bat. I had to come up with names I, like Mike. I have had to come up with names too. I didn't think about any of this beforehand. No, but Joe, you just admittedly said that earlier in the day you you put this into the trade machine. I mean, I've put this into the group chat too, so I know you've seen this before. What? I know you've seen this before because I've talked about it seen in the group what? chat a couple of times. This idea. Not the idea of trading Andre. For, yeah, yeah, I have. I've put it in the group chat before. You've seen this, Koo. Koo, you can't play innocent You've been here. the strongest one against doing it. I am. I'm as staunchly against trading Andre Drummond as anybody. I, so, I will okay. argue against it to the day that they get rid of Andre Drummond. I will okay. argue against doing it. If they are going to trade him, though, they've decided that is the move they're they going Walker. to make. I don't think. Th- why on earth would they do that? But okay, so you asked me to name a player. I don't know what what teams would want him. Hey, try and give me something that makes even a little bit of sense, because Boston makes at least a little bit of sense. Give me an idea, because guess what? It's not that easy to find a team that makes sense. Let me find a phone. Let me get my phone and find a team. The only other really good option, if they decide to trade Andre, is if the Lakers are convinced they're. They're going to miss him free agency this offseason. Or if you just fast forward to the offseason, they do swing and miss him free agency. Then the Lakers can be an option. I'm looking. Yeah, it's it's not easy, is it? Maybe the Magic? Nikola Vucevic is going to be a free agent soon, I think. So maybe you could trade him there. I don't know. 
you know what, Joe? I'll I'll let you I'll let you win this argument. Okay, I'll let so you win this whole. I'm making this abundantly clear. I don't want to trade Andre Drummond. No, no, no. I think they should fine. keep him. I'm that's, saying that's, for all those people out there who be like Andre Drummond is the problem. I don't pay attention to actual numbers or watch games. He doesn't play hard. Her, der, der. Okay, if you're one of those people and you think Andre Drummond is the issue, first off, I don't know what to say to you. <laughs> if you think well, Andre Drummond is the problem with this team. I didn't think, I never said. I know, I'm no. saying two people listening, if you're one of those people, okay. Oh. But if the front office thinks that, I think that's about as good an option as you're getting. I'll tell I'll tell you this much, and I'll tell this to everybody out there. Well, listen, if the Pistons decide to trade out Andre Drummond and we get Al Horford in return for Andre Drummond, that that little tweet that everyone was talking about, Koo finding a new team, let's ban him. What's wrong Pistons. with Al Horford? You'll ban me from Pistons. Too. What's wrong with Al Horford? Joe, I'm Al not Horford's good. Drummond for Al Horford. At Al Horford's really good. He's going to be 34 next year on expiring deal. Getting paid 30 yeah, and million. then you can retool. It's perfect. Okay. Whatever. Okay. I don't know. We're going with this. We're running with the scenario. Al Horford gets traded here. Next year, he's 34. What else are you trading Andre Drummond for? What? What else are you trading Andre Drummond for? You're not getting no, Kevin Walker for him. I don't know what else I'm You're not getting C.J. McCollum for him. I don't want to trade him either. What are you getting for him? If if you give me if you gave me a little better a little bit more time to look through people I could find somebody you wouldn't find anything better than Al Horford I could find someone that fits us better no you won't Joe with the cap space to retool who are we getting I don't know whoever nobody we're Frickin not getting nobody here once again this is a straight swap they're not giving up any draft picks. Exactly. Nobody, wa- no one will come here. And then Blake's also a year older. By the time you want to play, you want to. But Al Horford helps you win now. So this year, next year, Al Horford helps you Al win. Horford still, doesn't. Okay, Joe. Does Al Horford fix Dwayne Casey? I mean, he'd help. No. Uh, how much would he help, Joe? You he'd help more than okay. Because here's the thing. Okay, we love Andre Drummond here, right? Andre Drummond is not good enough or a high basketball IQ guy enough to just make it work through bad coaching, all right? We've talked you've talked about how Blake Griffin basically makes his own offense, right? You said that one of the benefits of Bruce Brown is that he's such a high IQ player that he just makes his own damn offense because Dwayne Casey won't. You know who else is kind of like that? Al Horford. Oh, Joe. Whip smart. Like Great passer. Joe, really Joe, good shooter. Still miss the playoffs this year or be a low seed with Al Horford. Who are you trading Andre Drummond for that they're that they're even going to still make the playoffs I, I and have a good shot at doing it way. next year? So you get a year, so you can try and salvage this season this year with a guy who theoretically fits better with Blake. You get next season with it too. I don't think he says. Then this season, if it doesn't work, then if it doesn't work, you can retool the team. Totally. Yeah, I, didn't see, I don't think that it helps point. either of those instances. So, if you're trading Andre Drummond, I think that's your best option. I don't want to trade Andre Drummond. I want to build a team around Andre Drummond and Blake Griffin. I'd I think have you can Nikola do. Vucevic. You trade him for Nikola Vucevic. How long is is Vucevic expiring at the end of the season, or does he have one more year? He's expiring. I wonder if the Magic would do that. 
you do you get to be you're out of his contract a year early. Reggie Jackson's expiring this offseason, so you'll be able to move him better we'll have a yeah. better option. Yeah, we've talked about that. I'd think about Vucevic too. I'm oh, I'm oh, curious. Oh. I'm curious. Well, here's the thing. Would the magic give up Vucevic for Drummond? Vucevic has been pretty good I mean, this season. The, would the Celtics want to give up Andre? I mean, give up Howard uh, Horford for Andre? Makes sense. More in line with their core's age. Aren't they, fixes aren't they the, the one thing that's a big Anthony issue. Davis? Well, hypothetically, but, I mean, who says they're going to actually do it? So wouldn't that all be ruined by by getting Andre? I Not if it's a straight swap. Okay, think about this. All right, here we go, Coop. Here we go. Ready? They'd trade Jason Tatum plus other stuff for Anthony Davis. Straight swap of Al Horford for Andre Drummond. Your front court is now Andre Drummond and Anthony Davis. How does that sound? (laughs) Say that again. The Boston Celtics front court is now Andre Drummond and Anthony Davis. And Kyrie Irving is still your point guard. I mean, I, I guess, Joe. I, I suppose. I'm just not sure because because then they have to re if they let's say they want to bring back Kyrie, so then they're paying Kyrie Irving, Andre Drummond, and Anthony Davis long term. Well, Andre Drummond's not making the same amount as those other guys that whole time. So but he's making a hell of a lot. He's making like 28. That's not <laughs> as much. This? Okay, so how about this? I would rather get Vucevic. Would the Magic take it? I don't know. I would rather get Vucevic. I'd l- hmm. A big part with Vooch would be um, thinking about whether or not how confident we'd be that he'd resign. I don't think that's true. I think it is because, once again, one of the benefits to Horford is that he's under contract for another year. So it's not, you're not trading Andre Drummond for a rental. Okay. You're trading Andre Drummond for at least a full season of an all star caliber player. Um, and so I'd be worried. I don't want to trade Andre Drummond for a rental. Um, so if Vucevic, if you're pretty confident, you know, I mean, whether it's a straight up wink, wink deal where Vuce is like, no, I'll resign here. Or if you're just kind of like, you just think about, you've talked with him and it's like, yeah, I think we'll resign him. I'd, I'd entertain that. Um, the thing about Vucevic is like. That man does not play very much defense. <laughs> People can bring up that he scores well, he's a good passer, and so that man doesn't play defense. Al Horford really plays defense. Al Horford is a really good defender. I don't care. So, so let's go. Let's talk about him. Leave. If Vucevic leaves, then you're then then you have the cap space a year early in the well, same yeah. summer that. With Reggie Jackson and John Luer contract becoming expired, here'd be the everything just works out. Here'd be the time. biggest attraction to Vucevic, is that the Magic are the only other team other than the Pelicans, who have consistently come up in Reggie Jackson trades as a team that actually wouldn't hate having Reggie Jackson. So, what if you can get you trade Andre Drummond? Now, there would have to be other stuff in here for salary matches. It'd be a messy trade, which I'm not going to even dive into what they'd have to do to make it work, but. If you trade Drummond for Vucevic and you also get the Magic to take Reggie Jackson in this trade, then if you get a like if you get DJ Augustine back or a starting point guard or something like that, then I'd maybe start to think about it. 
because then if he leaves, you can do a really hard reset on the roster this offseason. Um, like, they'd legitimately have cap space this offseason. Um, yeah, I'd, I'd, just, I'd be hesitant to trade Andre Drummond for a straight-up rental. I'd be worried about that. Well, Bill thinks that way. I'd rather trade him for a rental. It speeds up the retooling phase a year early, and Blake's not going to be a year. You here's the thing, okay? You don't. You must not think Al Horford is good. Al Horford is really good. Be, I think if you get Al Horford now, and you, okay, let's say he expires this he year expires, and next year, you don't think Al Horford's going to be good next year. Next season, no, he's not going to be good. That's not what I'm saying. He could very well still be good, but at 34 years old, I'm not going to take the bet on it. First of all, second of all, when he why expired, not? What are you like, worried about his age? His game is like it's per- when ex- people get older, they get worse. It, it just that's what. Happens. But he's going to be fine. His game is perfect for yeah, age. You do not know that. he's a great shooter, or a great passer. He's a big he's man who can shoot shooter. and pass. No, he is not a great. He's a shooter. big man. <laughs> what are his shooting numbers? No, he's a. What, what's your definition of great? What are his shooting numbers? <laughs> I'll, I'll, let me go get him. I remember that he's not just a three-point shooter. He's a really good mid-range shooter, too. The man can shoot. He's a big man who can he, shoot he and pass. Shoot, Joe, but he's not a great... He's a big man he's who not, can shoot and pass and is a super high IQ defender. Those dudes age awesome. Okay, so once again, let me finish. Joe, I mean, not Joe. Al Horford expires at the age of 34. And what is it, 2021, 2020, 2021? Yeah. That'll be the year he expires? Yeah. He, not only is he expiring that year, Joe has mentioned bringing him back for the age of 35. At the age, when you do that, Blake is going to be, what, 32 then? 33, yep. 32? Yep. So so not only are you doing – you want to do the retooling that year, when it very well – there could be a very good situation where Blake probably gets hurt in between here and then. May decline because of that well, okay, injury, or look, just because of look, age. If we're worried about Blake Griffin getting hurt, then no matter what situations we draw up here, it's going to be a failure. Okay, let's be no, abundantly no, clear about this. If Blake Griffin gets hurt, it's over. Re- but Joe, you have to take that in consideration. The re- speeding up the retooling a year and a year in advance, along with it being the same year that your bad contracts are expiring, so they're capable of being moved. But you see, if you so much if you easier. have Horford instead of Drummond. Horford expires before Drummond, so you're still retooling faster, but you're also not risking trading Andre Drummond for a rental. You're guaranteed one full year, you give yourself the chance that Blake Griffin stays healthy another season, and you give your, you, so you can give yourself a chance to retool sooner, get some cap space sooner and such, while getting a guy who hypothetically fits better with Blake to give Blake a year in his prime to try and do something still. That's what you're doing. I'd rather keep Andre Drummond. I think Andre Drummond is better than Al Horford. I will go to the grave with that. But if you're trading Andre Drummond, I think Al Horford is about as good as you get. All right. So and it's, it's also, admittedly, it's a trade that kind of intrigues me because I'd be super interested to see what Andre Drummond would do with Brad Stevens as his coach. Yep. And here we go. Now we get to the root. Now we get to the root of it. I'm not. Here we go. Now, I know that's not all. Like all. I'm not shipping him off. I thought about it, but I'm not trying to ship him off to the Spurs. Like if he played for freaking Greg Popovich, he'd be incredible. 
but I would be I would be intrigued by how that would go, and I'd be intrigued to see Al Horford and Blake Griffin play together because they're both right, super so- high IQ guys. Both guys can shoot. Both guys can pass. Horford does a lot of the little stuff that would really help Blake's game. I think on both ends. Um. So I don't know. I just I'd rather keep Andre Drummond. Just if you're gonna trade Andre Drummond, I think that's a good option. Okay, so Joe Joe's taking the route of Al Horford. I'm taking the route of getting Nikola Vucevic. If he if he does walk this year after this year, then you cleared Andre's salary. He, he leaves. But Vucevic Reddy isn't. He doesn't play but, any defense though. Joe, Joe, you can't have everything, Joe. You you just can't. If have you get everything. Al Horford, you can. Al Horford is not great at everything. Al Horford's a pretty freaking good defender. He is. He is. He is pretty freaking good. He's one of the best passing big men in the league. Joe, but he's not great at really good shooter. Yeah, but when you're a big man, when you're a center, and in particular when playing next to Blake Griffin, being a bad defender is an issue. Okay, this isn't well. You know. Horford's not a number one scoring option. This is like, because <laughs> guess what? You don't need a number one scoring option. You have Blake Griffin. That's see. I'm still taking Nikola Vucevic. It speeds up the retooling process. You just hate you just hate John. You just hate Al Horford because you're one of That's these not dudes. True. I like Al All Horford, you do is you look wanted, in the box I score wanted, and you go, "How many points did you no, score?" No, I wanted Al Horford here when when what's it called? You when just look in the box game. score. And you go, how many points did he true, score? Oh, Horford only scores 13 points no, per game, so he can't I've, be good. I've gotten too many arguments about how good Al Horford is with my friends. My barbershop talk. Joe, he's going to be 34 years old. I'm not worried about how old he's going to be. I see. He's going to okay. be good when his, he's going to be good when he's old. Joe, but you see, you're not taking everything else. If he's 34 years old. You resign him, okay. If you don't, you say retool. That's two years from now. And between this and now, from two years, Blake could very well start to decline. So by the time you retool, it won't matter because Blake will be on the decline. If you do it this summer, Blake is going to be coming off arguably his best season ever. He's still going to be fresh. And you have you have your expiring contracts in Reggie Jackson and John Lure. It will be so much easier to retool and give Blake a better chance at winning in Detroit this offseason than two years from now with Al Horford at age 35. But once again, if Blake Griffith starts to decline, they're screwed either way. But it's more likely to happen two years from now than this offseason. So, like, what, okay, that makes no sense. Who are you going to sign that's better than Al Horford? No, you don't have to sign somebody. No, you don't have to sign someone who's better than Al Horford. Just make a better roster. You do have as to. You, we, what roster moves are you going to make that's year, better I'm than Al Horford? What are you going to do that's better than Al Horford? In that offseason. Who are you signing that's not in the, free that's agency not that's going to be better than Al Horford? Better, Joe, having one person... I'm not saying one person. Give me multiple people that the Pistons are convincing to come know, to cold-ass, empty Joe, downtown Detroit, abandoned-ass ghost town Detroit to play Joe, with Blake Griffin, who's better than Al that's Horford. That's the same thing that's going to be said. That's why I said to you earlier that no one's going to come here in two years, so why are you betting on it in two years instead of just this offseason when Blake is younger? Because that's the whole point. I'd rather have a guy who's for sure here an extra season so that you get at least one full season. Yeah, but Al Horford's still going to be good. 
He's still okay, good. He he's really good. You don't think he's good. That's what you are. No, I do think he's You good. think I Al think Horford scores 13 points per game, no, so he can't uh, be that good. That's what you think. Here that's listening, Al Horford is good. But part of me. But apparently not actually that good. good. At the age of 35, I don't think he's That's next that season, Koo. It's one no, year. No, that's two years from now when he's expired or you want to resign him again. No, next year is the last year of his contract. Yes, I'm talking about when you when he expires and you said earlier that you want to resign him after that. Well, you're he's like, well, who are they going to convince to come here? It's like, why not just resign him at a reasonable price? Okay. Like so, when he's 35, I'm, would you hate paying Al Horford like $15 million a year when he's 35? I no, wouldn't I'm hate not that. Sure how good he's going to be at 35 years old. I bet you he'll still be pretty good. Okay, well, you can you can bet me all you want. All and guess what? You then you've got you have a full year to try and sell him on the team if he is still good. Vucevic, you have 2 months. Joe. And if he walks, who are you signing? Don't, now you end up. So what it's you're trying to say is, okay, cool. Here's what you're arguing. Okay, you're saying so we have this year, maybe one, if we're lucky, two more years beyond this that Blake Griffin is this level of good. So what you're saying is you would rather hope that the Pistons do something they have literally never done by signing a bunch of good free agents in an off season and bet your one more good season of Blake Griffin. On that, no, then figure the that him and outcome. Al Horford, who's still really good and fits really well, is going to work. No, Al Horford, last two things I'm saying on it, because me and Joe are, just aren't going to agree on this. Two things on this. One, Al Horford is not helping this team to the point to where we're just going to shoot up the Eastern Conference standings. We very well could, could still miss the playoffs with Al Horford. Andre Drummond's better than Al Horford. We could still miss the playoffs this year. It's still, it could still be very likely we miss the playoffs this year. That's first. Second, it's not just the fact, who are you signing instead? I don't know who we're signing instead. You, this is a topic that came up on the fly. The point is, this offseason, you would have a better chance of building a team around Blake than every seen so far into this year. Blake and Andre, as good as they are on the court, the rest of the team is ass. So if you build a better team around Blake, just get better players, better shooters around him, just get better players, then you can ship off Reggie this offseason because his contract All is right. expiring. So, so some better I some better shooters. Some better shooters. Who's a good shooter? Cool. Can you so, name me someone who plays center that's a good shooter? Okay. Okay. You know oh, what? hey, look okay, at that. So it's Al Horford. Know, I got your answer. It's Al Horford right here. I have your answer. I have your answer. I have your answer. Joe brought this topic off. Now wants to have answers. I'm... The next podcast, we'll answer all these questions. I'm going to get all kinds of players. I'm going to look at all the free agents heading into this. Al Horford can shoot. That we could trade for. Al Horford can shoot. Al Horford can shoot. Coo. Joe, Joe, okay, we're bringing this back next. You've got some more shooters. Back with People love Al Horford. Joe, that's going to help Al you Horford try and get a role player or two. Thirty-five. I'm not. Joe. You need the with Blake Griffin here. You need to capitalize as soon as possible, not two years from now. Al Horford is winning you games now. What is no, wrong with this you? Team, we're still not good with Al Horford. Al, you put Al Horford on this team. We're still not good. Who are you the getting that's going to be going better than Al Horford though? <laughs> the team is still garbage with Al Horford here. They might be less garbage. He's a better like, fit. He's a cleaner that's, fit. That's not good enough. He's a cleaner fit. And you're not gonna and you're not gonna convince me that we get better without Horford. He's a cleaner fit. You're not gonna convince me that either. Hmm. 
I'm not going to convince myself of that. We can, we can still miss the playoffs with Al Horford because the team is trash. But you have next year to try and make it work still. I, I Once again, you can bet on Al Horford at 834 all you want. I don't care. <laughs> I'm going to I'm, – I'll bet I'm signing better, te- better teammates – for Blake, getting a better starting point guard, trading Reggie in their contracts this offseason, and build, just retool this offseason, then bet on a 34-year-old Al Horford with the same roster. So you think that you would rather you would rather try and get the Pistons to first off you're, you're make a new first off you're unloading Reggie Jackson and you're assuming this you're able season, you're yeah. doing that for nothing, which you know, good this luck off, with that. Which we're gonna do either way, Joe. It doesn't. Yeah. So that. you're gonna somehow you're gonna way. somehow you're gonna convince someone to take Reggie Jackson. No, 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 Joe. Okay, so you trade away before. Reggie Jackson. We're doing that either way. You're including. All right, so you're trading Bruce Brown to get rid of Reggie Jackson. Okay. Joe, so no, you've see, done that. No, Joe's pulling a slip. So one. now, no, now you need to sign. So you trade Reggie Jackson, and you're giving up Bruce Brown to get rid of him. No, that's not true. You pry money to keep Reggie Bullock now. So you now need to sign a new starting point guard, a new starting shooting guard, and a new starting center to the team that has literally never made a successful free agent signing in their entire lives. Joe, first of all... Cool. When was the last time the Pistons made a free agent signing that was really good? No, wait. So, so because we, so wait, so wait, so because the the Pistons' history in the past couple of years with different man, different management failed on some free agent signings. That not just not the past few years, Koo. Not just the past few years. Tell me okay, when so the last time Detroit signed a basketball player in free agency so that was really successful. You shouldn't count on making free agency the way you w- build a team so Joe, in Detroit. So, okay, so no one wants this, to play Joe. in Detroit, Koo. No one goes okay, to games. So it's this, cold. So There's idea, nothing in Detroit. So against this idea, Joe would rather take Al Horford because apparently Al yes. Horford's so much better to where yes. he's going to make it so much better with the exact same roster we have right now. That we're going yes. to capitalize on Blake's prime yes. with Al Horford so much more yes. with the exact same roster. I would rather bet. Another year of Blake yeah, Griffin's prime right. on Al Horford Al still Horford. being good next year, than no, that they're going to make a bunch of really good free agent signings. We will lose just as much with Al Horford with the same roster. Well, I suppose there is a Why plus side. The only roster. argument to your side is that the Pistons should basically give up on Blake Griffin and just assume they're going to lose the rest of their games anyways. What are you talking about? And then they can get good draft picks, and Blake Griffin will keep a few butts in seats because he's awesome. That'll be it. What are you talking about? <laughs> I don't know. You're the one who's saying it. No, that's not what I'm saying. Don't, <laughs> yeah. don't, try, don't try to confuse It's the, pretty the much listener. what you're saying. I've been very clear with what I'm saying. No, Joe wants to get Al Horford and then start the retooling process if necessary. Apparently, if necessary. Because apparently this roster just may be good enough with Al Horford to win some games, which is just false. This roster will still lose games without Horford. We should start the retooling process in two years when Blake's two years older. Al Horford's 35 instead of starting the retool instead of starting the retooling process. But if you retool next summer, what are you gonna do that's going to if you retool this next summer, what are you going to do then that is better than Al Horford? This summer literally coming up. Yeah. What are you doing that is better than Al Horford? So no, see, you keep framing the question like, no, see, you're setting it up for a failure. It's not the fact of getting someone better than Al Horford. It's That's exactly what roster. it is. That's what I mean. Al Horford, this what guys? Track. All right, so Al Horford costs, what, $30 million. You have $30 yes. million dollars to get, you still get however many guys you want. Team. 
however many guys you want that are going to end up being better than Al Horford. Who are you getting? They don't have to be better than Al Horford. No, all together. All together, all right? So you have $30 million. No, I told you I'd come with the answers for all of them. You have $30 million to fill three roster spots. You need a starting point guard, a starting center, and a starting wing, so, one of your wing spots. No, see, you're, no, Joe's throwing in extra questions. If that's the, if it's such a big, if it's such a big deal, for okay, let's say Joe's right. It's going to be such a big deal for the Pistons to find a starting point guard with thirty million dollars. It's just more, and it's a starting center. You need a starting point guard and a starting center, and okay, a okay. and a starting wing player. Okay, okay. You so need three starting so spots to, to fill in with thirty million dollars. You can just keep Reggie at that point if it's such a big deal. Heading into his final year, then his everything will be off the books the next year if it's going to be such a big problem. Okay, so now you're now you have thirty million dollars for you two still roster have spots. Thirty million dollars to, to put around Reggie and Blake. Though. Okay, then so you just what? Need a wing and a center and pieces on the bench. Okay, so what wing and what center are you signing? They're going to end up being better than Al Horford. Silence. Oh, he may be speaking, but his mic may have come undone. <laughs> I think I'm going to call that. It's my podcast. <clears throat> we all know who won this argument anyways. Um, make sure that you subscribe to the podcast wherever you listen. And uh, it is funny. Once again, we're like, oh, maybe we'll actually get this podcast done in a timely manner. And then start talking about Al Horford. Um Sam Kukahill doesn't think Al Horford's good because he doesn't score enough. Because Kukahill is an ignorant basketball fan. So stay beautiful, everybody, and go Pistons.